What's up, Lamb Fam? Welcome back to the Life After Miscarriage podcast, where we unapologetically chat the ins and outs of what life is actually like after miscarriage. I'm your host, Shelly Metling, and with four angel babies myself and one rainbow baby here on earth, I have created a platform for you guys to share your stories. So sit back, relax, get ready to relate, laugh, and cry as we get real on what life is actually like after miscarriage in the 21st century. Hello, everyone. We have Megan Sear on today's episode. I am so excited to get to know a little bit more about her and her story. Megan, I'm just going to toss it at you. Start wherever you'd like. All right. Thanks, Shelly. So like she said, my name is Megan Sear. I live in central Wisconsin um, with my fiance, Jay. We've been together for four years now. um, And we have two dogs, Izzy and Jovi. Um, I'm, I'm an age person. Like, I don't know why I get obsessed about knowing the ages of everybody when I listen to this podcast, but, um, I'm 32 and Jay is 34. So, um, but I guess I'm going to start way back almost a decade ago, uh, just to kind of give you a background a little bit about, um, some infertility struggles that I've had, I guess. Um, when I was 24, I was previously married, and um, I guess why that's relevant is because we were uh, trying to conceive, my ex and I, for about a year, I did not uh, get a period, and so obviously I was talking to my doctor about that, and they did some blood tests, and I was diagnosed with PCOS. Um, at the age of 24 and they put me on oh gosh metformin clomid progesterone i can't remember the fourth but i tried four different kinds of medication and nothing worked um so i guess now looking back in hindsight it was a blessing in disguise because um obviously we ended up getting divorced um But, you know, meeting Jay, who is my absolute perfect fit in life, I've never um, just, I've never had a partner who's more supportive and down to earth and genuine. Um, He is definitely, you know, my soulmate. Um, But he knew going into it, I was very upfront with him that I could potentially have some infertility struggles. Uh, and so even though he will make a wonderful dad in life, um, and so many people would agree with me with that, uh, he was, you know, okay with it from the very beginning. Um, so when we, we got engaged this last year and, um, we just decided, you know, we don't know how long this might take. So we started trying right away pretty much. And ironically, all stars aligned. And um, three months later on New Year's Eve of this last year, um, we were gonna go to a party. And I decided that morning, like I was supposed to get my period that day and I hadn't gotten it. I wasn't spotting or anything. So I just thought, well, I'll take a pregnancy test just to make sure so that I can go and have a glass of wine tonight, um, guilt-free. 
and it was positive like it immediately turned positive um so that was like a shock to me i actually took the test looked at it saw that it was positive like saw the two pink lines set it on the washer machine and i was like okay well i gotta wait three minutes i don't know why i thought that it was going to change or something but i just i've never had a positive pregnancy test and i have taken a lot um so that was exciting and to say the very least and i went to work that day i didn't tell jay that morning um i guess i just wanted to do something kind of cute and so i went and i bought some sparkling grape juice and then i bought him some beer and came home he came home from work that night and I had it out on the counter and I was like, oh, I got our stuff for tonight. And he looked and he's like, well, why are you going to be drinking sparkling grape juice? Like, that's weird. And I said, well, because I took a pregnancy test this morning. And he just looked at me and he goes, and? <laughs> well, and it was positive, obviously. And um, so that was exciting. You know, he picked me up, hugged me. Um, I think we were both just in shock that it happened so easily for us. Um, you know, after just three months of trying and not even trying, it was just like a, let's see what happens thing. Uh, so we were elated. Um, we told our parents and siblings and very close friends um, pretty shortly after we found out within, you know, staggered throughout probably a few weeks. Um, and I just remember like Jay's mom <laughs> telling us, you know, she's just so excited about our wedding coming up and, um, and then this, like this would be their first grandchild. So they were just so excited. And his mom, I just remember her saying, oh, all of my dreams are coming true. And I just thought that that was so sweet. Um, and then I remember my mom's reaction too. She was, you know, my parents were extremely excited for us too. They know the struggles I've had in the past and just questioning if I could even ever carry a child. Um, and I just remember my mom crossing her fingers and saying, oh, I hope it sticks. And now looking back, I'm like, whoa, if that wasn't ever foreshadowing. Um, but I don't know, sometimes they say moms just have a, I don't know, sixth sense, I guess. Um, but so two weeks went by and it was January 14th. Um, I went to the bathroom that evening. We were just sitting around watching TV and I went to the bathroom and sorry, TMI, but when I wiped, there was a little bit of blood on the toilet paper. Um, just really small amount, but any amount is terrifying to see when you're pregnant. Um, so me and Jay immediately both started Googling stuff and, you know, he was finding a lot of stuff that was saying it could be normal. I have yet to talk to somebody though where, where spotting was normal in their pregnancy. Um, I know it's out there and I know that it is, that it can be normal and that nothing could go wrong. But I have yet to find somebody in real life. <laughs> um, 
where that wasn't like a bad sign, not to scare anybody, but we've all been there. Um, so I called the doctor the next morning and they had me come in right away for a blood test um, just to test my HCG levels, which were good. They weren't high enough though for an ultrasound quite yet. Um, they said they really wouldn't see anything with where they were at then. So they wanted me to wait two or three days and then come in for an ultrasound. So we did that, um, went in on a Friday. They did the transvaginal ultrasound um, and they called me that night, which was really nice, and told me, because otherwise I would have had to wait until Monday to find anything else. So they called me that night. It was like 7.30 at night that they called. Um, and they told me that I was measuring at about five weeks and I should have been six weeks at that time, six and a half, somewhere in there. And I was like, well, they, the nurse on the phone, she told me, you probably just have your dates mixed up. And I was like, well, I like, I'm, I'm sack religious about tracking my menstrual cycle. I have an app. I probably have two or three apps that do the same thing. And I just track it. I don't know why I'm so obsessed with it, but I am. And I'm like, I know when I got my last period. So don't tell me about the dates wrong. Like, I don't, I know I don't have the, I could tell you every month in the last year and a half when my period started. <laughs> um, so she's like, well, maybe you just ovulated late. Um, that's a possibility. And so I was like, okay, I've also heard that sometimes you can measure small and then like it catches up later. So they put me on pelvic rest and just kind of told me to take it easy and see what happens. Um, and they weren't concerned at the time. Um, in the meantime, I also had a couple, I had an appointment with the nurse to go over just that initial visit where they talk to you about thinking about pediatricians and um, the different tests that you can get and just kind of preparing you for everything that's coming up. Um, and then a couple days after that appointment, it was January 26th, um, I had a little bit more spotting. I remember Jay was in Florida that week helping a friend move. And, you know, I was still on pelvic rest, but they told me I could do light walking. So I took the dog out for a walk and I guess I just thought that maybe I overdid it with the walk because it was right when I came home, um, I went to the bathroom and there was just a slight bit of blood again. And I was like, oh, I better put my feet up and like just watch TV the rest of the night. So I did that and there was no more spotting. Like it was just that tiny little bit. Um, so I didn't even, I guess I didn't even call the doctor at that time. I didn't, I wasn't too worried. Um, and then I had another transvaginal ultrasound scheduled with radiology a week before I was supposed to have my bedside ultrasound scheduled with my doctor. And I called them and I was like, you know, I've been feeling pretty good. Like I, I really haven't had like 
any bleeding or anything like that. It was just that minor spotting those two times. And I said, is it really necessary for me to have a transvaginal ultrasound and then the next week have an ultrasound with my doctor? And they were like, well, let me talk to your doctor and get back to you. And I guess they never, the nurse never actually talked to him is what he told us later. Um, Cause our doctor told us he would have, he would have wanted us to have that transvaginal ultrasound because it's more in depth. Um, but she called us back and said, you know, it's, yeah, it's probably not necessary. So we'll just cancel that and let us know if anything happens in the meantime. So now we're on February 11th, it's a Tuesday. We had our appointment with our doctor. Um, that would have been, we were 10 and a half weeks at that point. And that was just the initial regularly scheduled um, first bedside ultrasound appointment. Um, and it was in the, it was scheduled for the afternoon. And that morning while I was at work, I started to spot even more. And then it kind of turned to where it was not even classified as spotting anymore. It was like day one of your period, kind of, just very light bleeding. Um, and I just had a bad feeling going into the doctor's office that day. And we were sitting there waiting for the doctor to come into the room. And I looked at Jay and I said, I just have a really bad feeling about this. And Jay's like, just be positive and try to relax. Like, it'll be fine. Everything's going to be fine. And the doctor came in and I told him that, you know, I was having more bleeding that morning. And he kind of prepped us. He said, I'm going to do a bedside ultrasound. But, you know, he said it in, nicer, in a nicer way. But basically, don't be surprised if there's not anything there. Um, because what you're describing is the start of a miscarriage. So I, um, you know, he did the bedside ultrasound. He found the sack, um, but then there was nothing in it. So essentially, um, the sack was measuring at about, pretty sure it was seven and a half weeks. And um, the baby just never developed any larger um, than where we would be able to see it on that ultrasound. So he started telling us about, he was so great, uh, our doctor, um, very compassionate. And he was just, he was really good. Um, I felt like I wasn't shocked either. I just kind of sat there. And then I listened to him. Um, but as soon as I turned and I looked at Jay, I started crying. And I don't know why. Like, I don't know what me looking at him, why that made me cry. But, um, but yeah, our doctor, he was, he was so great. He told us about how his, him and his wife had experienced a miscarriage. Um, and I later found out that he's actually experienced, they've experienced four miscarriages, him and his wife. Uh, he only told us about the first one, but he said 
I remember him saying the two hardest moments of his life were uh, saying goodbye to his mother on her deathbed and watching his wife like experience a miscarriage. Um, so he sent us over to radiology for another transvaginal ultrasound just for final confirmation, even though we already knew. So that really, that was really unfortunate because now we have to drive over to the hospital, which is only like a block away, check in with that person, sit in the waiting room. I just remember Ellen DeGeneres was on TV and I remember laughing, like smiling at some of her jokes just because I was thinking this is what's socially acceptable. Like right now sitting in this waiting room with these other people, I'm supposed to be laughing at Ellen right now. Um, even though all I wanted to do was like just break down and cry. Um, so we went in, we had the transvaginal ultrasound and then we, and they couldn't tell us anything in there. The tech couldn't. Um, so then we drove back over the little block to back to our doctor's office. And he, and at this time it was like 5.30 at night um, and their office was closed, but he had stayed. And he went over our options with us. Uh, he told us, you know, that we could do it naturally, um, which he kind of, without telling us, he kind of recommended that, uh, especially since I had already kind of started the process naturally um and then he said that you know i could take the pill or do a dnc and it was almost like he was talking me out of the dnc for some reason um but for me i think in my mind i just was in i just wanted to make sure that it really was a miscarriage and that there were no medical mistakes so I wanted to go the natural route because I was just so paranoid like what if what if they're wrong and I don't know that's just where I was in my mind at the time anyway um, so our doctor told us to go home have a glass of wine together think about what our options were and then call him in the next couple days. Um, so we went home, we, we didn't have the wine, but that was, that's, that was um, a really rough night for both of us. We came home, Jay made dinner. I went upstairs and sat on the bed and cried and started Googling the physical sides of like what to expect with a miscarriage when you miscarriage naturally, because I honestly did not know what to expect at all. And our doctor described it as a little bit of a heavier period and um, more painful, a little bit more painful cramps than period cramps, which after having my experience, I want to go and tell him, like, do not explain it that way to any other girl that's going through this because that is not a good description, or at least it wasn't for my experience. Um, it is in no way compared to a period. Um, so Jay and I, 
we are both very easygoing people and we do not fight. <laughs> we do not have, it's very rare that we have like a full-blown argument. Um, but he came home, he started making dinner, he turned on The Office, the TV show, just to have it on in the background. Like his thing was he did not want to sit in silence that night. Like he wanted things on because I don't know, that was just his healing, I guess, his grief that he was going through. And I took it as you're just acting like this is every other normal night which was not at all. Um, we just, we needed to communicate that night and we were not, we were both in so much pain. I think it just, so we got into a big fight. Um, I think I was just so emotional and I went off to Target to get pads because what I was reading online was like, you're gonna need the mother load ones. Um, and I came home and I think we both just knew why we had gotten into a fight and we just went to bed together. Like there was no apologies or anything like that. We just both knew like, this is a rough night. Let's just, let's just go to bed. Um, so the next day I actually got up and went to work, which was so stupid. I don't know why I did that. Um, if I, God forbid, if this happens again, I'm taking like a week off. Um, but so I went to work because I told Jay, I'm like, I can't just sit here and feel sorry for myself and lay in bed crying. Um, but I also was afraid, like, I didn't know when the physical side of it was going to start. So I was like, well, what if that lasts for a few days? So what if I have to take like a few days off while I'm physically miscarrying? I can't take an emotional day right now, which yes, you can, but in my mind at the time, I couldn't. Um, so I started bleeding at work, or kept bleeding, I guess, but it wasn't bad yet, but the cramping really started bad, and I just remember being in a conference room, like, during a meeting, and just kind of hunching over in my chair, because the cramps were getting really bad. Um, but I made it through the rest of the day at work and I came home and actually that day, the 12th, um, was our four year anniversary together. So I told Jay, I'm like, let's just, can we just order sushi and get a bottle of wine and like, I don't know, let's just do that as our anniversary. And I hadn't had sushi or wine in quite some time, you know, um, because I was pregnant. So I was kind of looking forward to it. Well, as soon as I took that first, like I stared at that wine glass for forever and I took a sip of it and I just started to sob um, because it was this realization of now I can eat sushi and now I can have wine because I'm not pregnant anymore. And it was so depressing. That was the worst glass of wine I've ever had in my life. And I, I think I had three sips of it. Um, it, was, it was just a really tragic, uh, it was a bad anniversary night. <laughs> um, and then the next day I stayed home from work because the cramps were getting really, really bad. And I guess I just want to talk a little bit about the physical side of it because 
like I said, I really didn't know what to expect at the time. Um, and I feel like we just, I don't know, I would like to prepare other people. Um, so I had read that the only thing that helped was sitting in child's pose, like the yoga position. And that truly, when I finally did that, that it that did help the cramps. But I had sat with like a frozen bag of peas on my like abdomen, um, heating pad. It was just, it was bad. Um, and I was pretty much sat on the toilet all day. Like it was, it was just, I don't want to say disgusting feeling, but it really was. Um, clotting and you know, I, I got cold and was shivering and I was worried like how much is too much blood to be losing. Um, I, I just, I didn't, you don't know. And you don't know if you should call your doctor or not because you know that you're miscarrying, but it's not like you've ever done it before. You don't know what's normal and what's not normal. Um, so I just wish there was more out there that explain it or that the doctors would explain it more but I guess everyone's experience is different too so that's hard to do but um and then you know we slowly started telling family I sent out a group text to my immediate family and told them what had happened and that I didn't really want to talk about it quite yet but um I reached out to my mom while I was physically miscarrying and that's like the comments that you get through a miscarriage you know you are grieving so bad um, and then people say they try to say healing words and it seems like no matter what they say you take it as an insult or um, I don't know I've heard on this podcast too, so I know a lot of people can relate to this, um, but the only thing that you want to hear is like, this just sucks and I'm so sorry. You don't want to hear like it's God's plan or maybe something was wrong with the baby and this is God's way of just telling you that or um, whatever. The fix, the fix it comments, that's what I always call it. Yeah, it's yeah. horrible. Um, and I just remember my mom, and I hate to throw her under the bus like this, because she did mean it with the best of intentions. Um, but she told me, she's like, just try to look at it as a cleanse for your body. And I was like, I snapped at her. I said, sorry, this is not a cleanse for my body. I look at it as this is my baby dying. Like, and it just like shattered my heart when she said that. And she knew. And she immediately said, you know, I'm sorry. And I know she didn't mean it that way, but I think all of our moms have said, <laughs> yeah, that we're just trying to downplay it for yes. you. They just want to make it better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And there, there is no way I, I finally told her, I said, you know, why can't this just be a sad thing that happened? There doesn't have to be a positive outcome for it. Like there, it, it can just be something sad and let's just accept that. So I remember like hating my body after that, um, looking in the mirror and being like, okay, well, if I can't be pregnant, then I want to be like back to my normal self again. 
Um, so my doctor gave me the okay to like exercise again, which to me was, it was a struggle, but it was also very healing to be able to take that time uh, to do that. Um, I, I just took that one day off of work and then I went back to work. We had a CPR training and there were more, like I had more cramps, a lot more clotting that day, which I can't believe I was at work. Just, I, I don't know why I went. Um, and then, so that day it was Valentine's day. So we actually, like, I, I kind of, the bleeding had, slowed down by that point that evening so we went out to dinner together um and it was actually really nice like we connected we kind of whispered about it at our table like the things we talked about how we were going to plant a tree um in memory of our baby and um just different things like that so it was it was really good that we went out to dinner um and i had to i had to do um blood tests then they wanted me to come back and test my HCG every week for four weeks or until it was down to negative. And I just remember that was, I dreaded that. It was Wednesdays, every Wednesday, 1115. And I'd have to just driving back over by the hospital brought back horrible memories every week. Um, and then of course there were like four pregnant ladies in the waiting room. Um, every time I went to go to get these draws done, and oh, I just remember dreading that. Like I would feel like, okay, I made progress throughout this last week emotionally. And then it was Wednesday and it was like starting all over again. So um, on the fourth week, my HCG tested at a six and they wanted it to be five or under. I was like, wow, that's a slap in the face. Like, of course it's gonna be a six. Um, but they told me I don't have to come back anymore because obviously it was going down and it was fine. And she said, so, you know, when you get your period after that, you guys can start trying again if you want. And I said, well, I actually got my period two days ago. And she's like, oh, okay, well then we want you to wait another cycle. And I know it's just a month, but oh my gosh, I was like devastated. And I just felt like nothing nothing was going our way at all. I was like, of course we have to wait another month. Um, so, you know, we, a month passed and I have good days where I hardly think about it. Um, at this point before it was like, I thought about it every single day. I cried every single day. Um, but it's like on those good days, I realized that I'm having a good day and I realized that I haven't thought about it much. And then I get this wave of guilt because I'm like, I didn't even think about my baby today. And it's just, it's such a, you know, it's wrong. Like you need to, you need to give yourself that grace, um, but you can't. Uh, and I'm sure with time that will get better, but uh, that's where I'm at now. So I guess that's why I really like this podcast because it's like three days a week I can schedule out my time to reflect and think about my baby and that feels like I'm doing, you know, my motherly duty, I guess. Um, so 
I guess things that have helped me, I just want to share a few things. Um, I, my friends, my close friends, like, although a lot have had comments that have made me cringe, there have been like a, a, a few that have been so helpful through this, none of which had experienced a miscarriage. Um, but they are there to talk about it or not talk about it any day, which is really nice. Um, I got cards in the, like me and Jay got cards in the mail. We got flowers from friends. Um, you know, Jay tells me about how even some of his guy friends will reach out to him and ask how we're doing. And which I think is really sweet. Um, my, my best friend sent me a picture. It's like a drawing of what's supposed to, you know, be me and Jay. And then we're holding on to a baby with wings. Um, so that was like the sweetest thing ever. We have that up on our mantle now. Um, another friend sent me like this little spa bath kit. Um, so they, friends have been everything for me through this. And my grandma had experienced a miscarriage too. So I've been emailing my 86 year old grandma and I'm so glad for her. Um, and of course my grandpa had to weigh in with his two cents and just, he gave us advice to just keep fooling around because that's what they did. I was like, <laughs> words of wisdom from your, you know, 90 year old grandpa. Thanks, grandma. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then I also, I bought things that just felt like I was paying a tribute to our baby, I guess. I bought a little necklace with a wing on it. Um, and then just something that I wear every day where I just feel like, I don't know, it helps that guilt feeling go away of it's like your, your baby's always there with you. Um, I have a frame for our ultrasound picture. And... Me and Jay finally, you know, it's been three, four months now. Um, we just planted a tree up at our land, like a flower and crab apple tree um, in memory of our baby. So that was really special. Um, and then I read the book Almost a Mother by Christy Wolpat. I think I'm saying her name right. But that book was really helpful too. She talks about being in Target and wanting to like strangle the pregnant lady that walks by her. <laughs> And she's like, those feelings are normal. Don't beat yourself up about them. Um, so yeah, it's called Almost a Mother if you want to check it out. Um, and we named our baby. It was more of a thing for me. Jay said it kind of helps in his grieving process to know that it never really developed big, like far enough along to show up on an ultrasound. So that helps for him and I understand that completely but for me it helps me to recognize that it's a baby um and so I kept hearing the name Brighton I heard it on this podcast I've heard it in um Facebook groups and just all over and I really liked it because I used to sing the song you are my sunshine like in my head to my baby all the time when I was pregnant and then if you look at the lyrics of it Obviously, it's, you know, please don't take my sunshine away, but then there's a verse that talks about how I dreamt I held you in my arms, and when I woke up and you were not there, I hung my head and cried. So I was like, that song's just perfect. So sunshine, bright, brighten, it all kind of 
close together. Um, and then I guess just me and Jay had talked like some of the biggest struggles for us, like talking, telling our friends and family that knew Jay's like, it's almost harder to tell other people than it is to hear the news for yourself. Um, and then you sugarcoat it. You're like, but we're okay. We're okay. Even though you instantly cry as soon as you get off the phone and you're not okay. Um, but you just try to convince them not to worry about you, which I wish we could mentally tell ourselves to just tell them how we're really feeling. But, um, and then I've learned too that it's made me more of an introvert and all this stuff going on with like the coronavirus. And we both had to work from home for like a month and a half. And that was the best thing that could have ever happened. <laughs> like, not that the coronavirus is a good thing, but for us, like, or at least for me personally, being at home, not around other people, isolated in our own little like cave, I guess during that healing time, it almost, it was like a blessing in disguise. Um, and I watched the movie Up the other day again, for like the hundredth time, but I never really noticed that much until I went through this. But in that movie, like the Pixar movie, I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, but she has a miscarriage and I just remember her looking up at the sun and with her eyes closed and she's just sitting there and letting the sun rays hit her in the face. And I just like, I feel that so much like inside, you know, I feel for her so much and I know exactly what she's going through and what she's feeling in that moment. And it just, just being in your own mind, like whether it's sitting outside or just sitting alone, listening to sad music or something, that's been so healing for me too. Um, just giving myself to think about it or not think about anything at all. So that's my story. That was an amazing way to end your episode, by the way. Oh, thanks. <laughs> so many, like, tidbits of advice. And I always ask at the end of every episode if you have, like, one, like, one specific thing for somebody in a similar situation, like, advice-wise, what would it be? Um, for like me, the holy grail. <laughs> yeah, for me, the, the hardest thing that I've struggled with is just other people's comments. I don't know why I have been just, like – my relationship with my sister right now is rocky because of all of it. Like there's just, it's like, I don't want to talk to people and about it because I'm afraid of what they're going to say to try to make me feel better and that I'm going to get defensive about it and offended. And I don't want to ruin any more like relationships with people because of it. Um, so I think that's why I'm like isolating myself right now, <laughs> but I guess I would say find your own support system like and it's probably going to be different than the support system you had before um and that's okay like you can lean on your mom or your sister or whoever at other times but maybe for this specific like for your miscarriage you need to find like this podcast or people that you don't even know as your support system and lean on those people um yeah 
that's great advice. I had to do that as well. Um, I didn't know anybody personally that had been through it. So um, it's, it's hard to lean on people who. It is. And sometimes it helps through it. Yeah. Right. Sometimes it helps to, um, you know, like this podcast has helped me so much. Like I said, just for designating that time to think about it, but also, um, it's like you're connected with these people without having to talk to somebody because sometimes talking about it, it's like too much sometimes, Mm -hmm. but just listening to other people, um, makes you feel connected without really having to connect with somebody. I don't know if that makes sense. The perfect scenario for an introvert. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Uh, I'm an introvert as well. So I get it. Yeah. And I actually, I just recommended this. I saw a girl post on Facebook that she just went through a miscarriage and I reached out to her and I barely know her. Um, But I said, you know, I don't have any words for you. Like, I just know it sucks, but I do have a podcast for you. So I sent her. Yeah. And she said she was going to check it out. So. Oh, good. Well, it's a nice you. tool to have. So I really appreciate you. Doing yes. This. Well, I always say I couldn't do it without you girls who are willing to share. So I appreciate you guys. Now, if somebody wants to reach out to you, where could they do so? Uh, I guess like everybody else says Facebook or Instagram. Okay. Awesome. I will link your Instagram in the description of this episode. Thank you so much for jumping on and sharing your story. Yeah. It means thank a lot. you so much. It means so much to me too. Yes. Keep me posted and we'll chat soon. All right. Thank you. All right. I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you share it with a friend who could find it useful or share it on your Instagram stories. Tag myself, tag my guest so that we can personally thank you. This is a lamb fam, you guys. We're not in this alone. We're creating this ripple effect together. Thank you.